Good morning. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 20 from the NIV translation. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, for such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper! Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. because I'm a bit of a procrastinator and I didn't get stuff finished when I should have and she is very gracious. Um, so thank you, Annalise um, and everyone. It's really good to see you all here. If I haven't met you before, um, my name's Dan um, and I have the privilege today to speak to you about this passage from Ephesians 5 verses 1 to 21 or 1 to 20. And... Um, When I was asked to choose a passage from Ephesians to preach on, going on with the procrastination, I was a bit slow to respond. And when I finally decided that, yes, I should do this, this passage was one of the last that hadn't been picked yet. And I have to be honest, at first glance, preaching on this passage made me really nervous. It conjured up all of my accumulated insecurities about Christians being labelled as prudish and judgmental. Those old stereotypes about people who consider even talking about sex as shameful. 
people who make it their business to condemn the immoral behaviour of those around them in a holier-than-they-are kind of way. So, am I about to give my first sermon on the topic of sex, drugs and rock and roll? Well, kind of, kind of, but I've amended it, the title, to make it slightly more accurate. It's really more, more about sex, drugs and spiritual songs. So, um, first, in, I, I want to make a bit of a natural segue from that to talk about gardening. <laughs> I'll get there, just wait, it's coming. Over the last couple of years, I've been, I've been really trying to cultivate a bit of a green thumb um, by growing some fruits and, and, and vegetables in my backyard. I've had some success, but one of my biggest challenges has been getting rid of the weeds. <sighs> That's what it looks like as of yesterday. I've got some work to do. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm really committed to growing things organically, so that means kind of that spraying with herbicides to kill the weeds. That's out. I can't do that. And that leaves me with a few other alternatives to dealing with them. I can pull them out by hand, which is, which is hard work. I can try and smother them by cover, covering them with mulch or um, cardboard, things like that. Or if I want to get really, really serious, I guess I could, I could dig out the whole area of soil where they're growing and, and start again with new topsoil. But the bottom line is, if I don't keep the weeds out of my veggie patch, they will choke the life out of those veggies and I'll get nothing. A couple of weeks ago, um, Rachel was preaching, and where are you, Rachel? Here you are. Um, and um, reminded us about the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. And she said that the importance um, of not, it was about the importance of not being uh, like the plants in shallow, rocky soil that didn't have the roots to go down deep, so they couldn't withstand the hot sun. So we need to help each other to put down deep roots by continuing to grow in Christian maturity. In the same parable, Jesus also talks about the seeds that fall amongst the weeds. He said, The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So coming back to Ephesians chapter 5, Paul reminds us in this passage that our lives are a bit like gardens and that we need to take care not to allow weeds to grow up in our lives that will make us unfruitful. Starting in verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So I'm going to talk about um, some of the weeds that Paul mentions specifically. And the first one that he mentions and warns us against is sexual immorality. He writes, But among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality, nor of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Paul knew what he was talking about. He'd lived in Ephesus for a couple of years um, when he ministered and started the church there. And so he knows what the Ephesians were up against. Ephesus was known as the epicenter for the worship of Diana, or Artemis, who is the Roman and, and Greek god of fertility. One of the key aspects of the worship of Artemis were temple festivals, 
when there would be lots of food and drinking, and then the temple prostitutes would come out and dance. Basically, people would get very, very drunk and then engage in ritual sex. It was a pretty dark kind of scene. So the Ephesians had grown up in a culture that considered sexual promiscuity really normal and even expected. Thinking about other people as sexual objects, explicit language or crude humour were commonplace. And I wonder, does that remind you of any other cultures? I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I only had to worry about sex in TV, movies, magazines, advertising, dodgy conversations with school friends, radio, and a few other things. Now we can access all of that and more on the internet, all the time, anywhere. So I think it's a risk. And Paul's pretty strident in warning us about this. He writes, no immoral, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, for such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such thing, God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So we're warned to avoid any type of behavior, talk, or attitudes that degrades God's intent for the sacredness of sex. Sex is actually a really beautiful gift that God created to be shared within the safety and commitment of marriage. And next week, Andrew, I think, is going to talk about Paul's vision of the Christian marriage. Marriage is intended to reflect God's relationship with the church, so it's a really holy thing. And I think that's why Paul um, emphasizes this point so much. Not even a hint. We're called to be God's holy people, to keep it sacred. Another weed in our lives that Paul warns us not to allow is getting drunk. Again, this is a really relevant reminder in Australian culture. We're having more than a few beers is pretty normal. Um, and the intent is to get drunk. Now, I think it's, it's clear that there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. Um, Jesus drank wine pretty often. He was known for it with, uh, with people. And uh, Paul, in fact, recommends it to Timothy when the local water makes him ill and it, it's going to help his stomach. Um, so, but drinking becomes an issue when it affects our ability to live with purpose and control, which is something that Cam talked about last week. Paul says that getting drunk leads to debauchery, or in some versions of the Bible, you might say dissipation. Um, I haven't used either of those in conversation lately, those terms. I don't know if you have. Um, so I consulted the dictionary, um, and it said, it said, the Webster's Online Dictionary said, debauchery is defined as extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures, behavior involving sex, drugs, alcohol, etc. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So let's stay away from that. <laughs> Um, but it also said, the, the other one, dissipation, this was interesting to me, it can mean an act of self-indulgence or intemperate living, and another meaning was wasteful expenditure. Think about smoke blowing away into nothing. I thought that was a really interesting definition, and it was particularly pertinent because Paul is warning us in this passage about wasting our lives. He says in verse 15 and 16, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. 
We only get one shot at this life. Each moment we have is really, really precious and God wants us to value it. So how can we make the most of every opportunity? How do we stop the weeds in our life from choking us and making us unfruitful? Well, any gardener knows that nature abhors a vacuum. If you pull out the weeds, but then you leave bare soil, it won't be long before they pop up again pretty quickly. I can definitely testify to that. You have to replace them with strong and productive plants. And I think our lives are the same. Paul calls us to cultivate godly habits in our lives by being filled with the Spirit. What does this look like? In verse 19 and 20, Paul says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you'll notice here that there are three habits to cultivate which are connected to being filled with the Spirit. Number one, when Christians are together, like today, or maybe in smaller groups, we are called to encourage and build in build one another up by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I love the, um, the time of worship this morning. Thanks, guys, for leading us. Um, in the early church, um, many believers would not have been able to read. So how did they remember God's word? It was through songs, through singing and poetry, reciting scripture. Music is a really powerful memory tool, and I think that's why it's always been part of church culture. Singing together and sharing scripture has been a feature because it helps to soak our brains and our hearts with God's truth. Number two, Paul also tells us to sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So here he's telling us as individual Christians to continue to worship God throughout our day. It doesn't stop when we leave, leave church on Sunday. We need to keep singing in our hearts and our minds until we gather again. I think this is also a really good reminder for those of us who aren't great singers. You don't need to use your voice for this. It's about the attitude of your heart. And overlaying these first two habits, Paul says to always be giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's already mentioned thankfulness earlier in verse 4 of this passage. He says that instead, instead of obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, we are to make a habit of talking and living a life full of thankfulness to God. Thanks, Sarah, for leading us in a prayer of thanks this morning. That was, that was great. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, we're reminded to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. So, being filled with the Spirit means cultivating an attitude of thankfulness. This is not because God needs to hear our thanks, but because it change, changes the posture of our hearts and minds towards Him, and it changes our perspective on life. God knows this is healthy for us. If you've ever read any texts around the science of um, positive psychology or improving your mental health and well-being, you'll notice that Practicing gratitude as a daily rhythm is really great for our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. But the biblical distinctive is that we direct our thanks to God. 
He is our generous Father from whom all the good gifts in our life ultimately come from. Finally, I'd like to highlight um, verses 11 to 13 where Paul says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So Paul's calling us to expose the darkness in our lives to the light of Christ, so that Christ can transform us. Remembering that Paul wrote to the church as a unified body and not just individual Christians, I think that we need our brothers and sisters for this. We need to cultivate a culture of humility, of love and of honesty so that we can support each other in deeper discipleship. We should be praying for and encouraging in each other to increasingly expose our lives before Christ and to allow him to change us. In the letter of James, it says, Confess your sins so that each uh, there, sorry, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. As we submit our life to Christ more and more, he can heal and transform the things that we are ashamed of and make us mirrors that reflect his life and his light. I think this is a really incredible, incredible, powerful hope that we have. As I've prepared for today, um, this passage of Ephesians has really challenged me to question how do I garden the life that God has given me? And these are some questions that might be helpful for you to think about. Am I meeting with other Christians often enough to sing and to share his word? Am I keeping the music of my heart tuned into Jesus throughout the week? Are my thoughts, words and actions characterised by thankfulness to God? What are the weeds or areas of darkness in my life that need to be exposed to the light of Christ? And am I allowing wise Christian people to encourage and challenge me to be increasingly filled with the Spirit? And am I supporting others in this way? We are called to imitate God, who is the head gardener in our lives. Right at the start of this passage, Paul says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We can know that Jesus has gone before us and is always with us. If we continue to trust in his goodness and follow his example, he will produce good fruit in our lives. Shall we pray? 
Father God, I thank you that you are a good and loving Father. That your desire for us as your people is to be holy and blameless. Not so that we can be proud of our own goodness, but because we can be proud of what you have done in us. Lord, we entrust ourselves to you as the good and wise gardener. Will you give us the courage and the humility and honesty to expose our lives to the light of Christ? Help us to support each other in doing this. I ask that in this church, you would help us to more and more develop a culture where we truly know each other, where we truly love each other through thick and thin. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit will energise and sustain us on this journey. We commit ourselves to you and we are so thankful for all of your goodness. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks.